Do you want to become a better songwriter? Well, we created a very simple 10-minute songwriter personality test, and it's going to help you better understand who you are as a writer, and it's going to help you in the writer's room when you're writing with other writers, because you're going to be able to identify what kind of writer they are, maybe even have them take the songwriter personality test. If you're curious and you want to take the songwriter personality test today, just visit songwriterpersonalitytest.com or go to the link on the writingworship.co website. Welcome to the Writing Worship Podcast, a place for kingdom-minded songwriters to grow in their craft and community. Well, welcome. Here we are in the old broadcast studio of my basement. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Eric Nordoff, and we have three other people here. So everyone else, say hi and give your name. Hey, hey everyone's looking at me. So yes. hey, I'm Nick Morrow. I'm the director of Writing Worship. Yay. Oh my gosh. Did you say Nick Morrow nope. or Morrow? It's Morrow like tomorrow. Oops. Nope. I say tomorrow. Wait, tomorrow. Heavy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know this is going. Wait, that's exactly Wait. what he just said. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, tomorrow yeah. without because people say morrow. Nope. It's it's like you're not going to the mall tomorrow. Okay, we get it. He's right. going to the mall yeah. tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. Like okay. tomorrow without the so two. Nick, tomorrow without the two. I can accept morrow. that. Yes. Got it. Got it. Nick Morrow. Like, like tomorrow. Right. Or like armadillo. Tomorrow, right. But today <laughs> we have him here. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. All right. Next, Emily. Hey, I'm Emily. Weeks. Yes, Emily Weeks. Do you not want to give your last name? Yeah, privacy. Okay, so. <laughs> That's right. Okay. okay. <laughs> She's got boundaries. Okay. Yeah, totally. And? And um, Rachel Thomas. If <laughs> I sound like I'm discombobulated, it's because I am. I'm holding on It's to, a real wrestling match happening over here. I'm holding on to Finley, and she's trying to grab the mic. It's precious, but you can't see. Yeah. Finley is over a year right now, right? Yeah, she's 16 months. She's, she's 16 months. <laughs> she literally has done everything that Brave, and mostly writing worship, with the exception of the conference, because let's be real, mm -hmm. that wouldn't have been fun for anybody. <laughs> She's taking off my hat. It's, we're good. We're going to make it through. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, this is so cute over here. She's I could, suddenly very active. I, I have a kid that's the exact same age and it's very entertaining to watch. You know, you I know also Nick. feel a little bit of anxiety Sorry. just watching this happen yes. right now. As a parent. As a parent. Yeah, yeah. I know how you feel. But you know, guys, no, this is like your real life. If you want to do anything yeah. else or have that's friends true. or anything, it's just they have to accept it and be yeah. okay with this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you guys yes. are real friends. So. And we Sorry. are completely accepting of you. <laughs> but I thought it was would be kind of fun mm -hmm. because this has been the Brave Worship podcast for over a hundred episodes. Wow. Mm -hmm. And this thing started back in 2016. And but out of Brave emerged writing worship. And and of course the listeners who've listened to this, who subscribe to this feed, they all understand that this has been the Brave Worship feed, and they understand sort of the origin story of writing worship, yeah. which was a book that Chrissy wrote that came out of uh, years of mentoring female songwriters, really. Mm -hmm. And were both of you two ladies part of the original mentorship group? 
Yes, yeah. we were. We were right mm. down here in this basement down here. Gosh, Talk about that. What crazy. was that like? Why, how did that come about? And what was that like for you two? Okay, so this was really fun for both of us, actually, because Rachel, so Rachel kind of jumped into Brave on, well, you already before the Scotland trip. Well, you she were was a, she's the original Brave Bestie. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. right. You go in the head for Brave, Brave Besties. Yes, yes. We would sign up for like a month and every month we would have like a coffee call. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was weekly. A weekly, I'm Fridays sorry. Fridays. That's or right. Something. Yeah, four years ago. And Rachel, my mind. how did you hear about that? Oh, oh. <laughs> cue Eric Nordoff. Uh, guys, the Lord does work through Facebook ads, okay? <laughs> yes, he does. Hey. Sometimes you wonder. But. <laughs> I, know. I literally saw a Facebook ad and it was for a women's like community something. And all I saw was women's worship leading community. And I was like, where can I buy these? In, yeah. Texas. This was me in Texas because oh. I had just accepted a full-time role as the worship director there. And I was so like, lonely, scared, all the things. And we had just found out we were pregnant with Raleigh right after having our second daughter. So it was just all the things. And I I needed people. Like I needed, especially yeah. women. I needed other people who had done it before to show me how to do it. Yeah. So she, so you went through that and then you found out about the Scotland yes. trip, yes. which is where Rachel That's and where I met. met. You were roommates. No, no, in Ireland we were. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Time. So we became friends on that trip. And that's really where I bonded with Chrissy. I remember mm-hmm. sitting on the airplane next to her and going, tell me your whole life story. <laughs> we where were you born? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Where were you born? Like, uh, you know, all those things. What's your favorite color? Gosh. So true, anyway, true. after that trip, Chrissy decided to do a mentorship here at the house. Yes. And mm-hmm. so I lived kind of just down the road, but Rachel actually flew in for that. Did right? you really? Once yeah. a month? Mm-hmm. Once a month. I, we had a really gracious pastor, and he basically said, if you, he's like, I'll give you the weekend off or whatever to come down or whenever we had it scheduled. And he, they allowed me to use a part of, uh, I shouldn't be saying this, but I'm not there anymore. So he used this, basically, <laughs> said, where was it and how much was it? <laughs> how much did he let you have? That's right. He basically said, if you can use some of the training budget to pay for the flight. Yeah, and that's yeah. how, which was Perfect. really, really kind. So just knew that it was where we were supposed to be and Jason was totally on board. And so I missed the first one because everybody got the flu. But after that, I came down every month from Texas. That was before we moved here. Wow. Yeah, and she would stay at my house. So oh, girl. I would pick her up from the times. airport and yeah. It was a little retreat. That's it was. Incredible. It was a week's really retreat. It really was. I mean, it's funny to walk into your house now and it feels like home. And even back then in some weird way it felt like oh god bless you this is maybe just, she would like she's giving me a distraction <laughs> here he's giving me a distraction for but it felt like i don't know in some way it was like i i knew i belonged here mm. and, oh yeah yeah and now it's just cool you're like hey come on in come downstairs and we'll record and i'm like i remember knocking on your door the first time and being so nervous like who are these and it just it it always felt like home so yeah. It's really special. So it started as a, a mentorship that you did, what, for 12 weeks? It was every other week for 12 I weeks. I remember there were 12 of us. There were 12 of us. 12 right? of us, yes. Of yeah, us. I don't remember how many weeks it, it was. Maybe like nine. Maybe similar to the, the, mentorship. the mentorship that we do now. Yeah. yeah. But it was great. It was so special. It really was. It was so special. Yeah. Before yeah. that, it was really Girls Right Out and Brave that just kind of met on a monthly basis and you were just kind of ministry. It was more ministry yes. to, your, to your hearts yes. as writers. There was really no like writing 
training really before that or sure. any, anything educational sure mm-hmm. other than Chrissy speaking or maybe a guest speaker coming. Yeah, that's right. Remember we had, and who we're going to talk about today is Christy Knuckles. We had Christy mm. I remember come that. and speak. I remember. That's so amazing. Yeah. So it was, um, it was that that sort of formulated the basis for writing worship that meant that first mm-hmm. 12, those first 12 ladies. And then after that, I said, Chrissy, you need to turn this into an online curriculum. Mm-hmm. And then we, that summer, recorded the curriculum. This is 2018. Wow. And That's crazy. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. And then we launched with the first version of it yes. in uh, the fall of 2018. And Emily, how long did it take before you led your first mentorship group? Well, I remember, so after Christy's in-person mentorship, she had us fill out a form that said, are any of you guys interested in doing this with other people? Mm-hmm. And I just wrote like, yes. <laughs> like I just knew like, yes, that actually yeah. sounds yes. exactly like something I would love to do. So I wrote yes. And then it was, I hopped in on the very first round. Did you? Yeah. So. Okay. Wow. Okay. So the, that spring of mm-hmm. 2019, you hopped in. That's, That's right. right. Wow. Yep. And you've led how many of these now? No, I was trying to think of that, but. I mean, what at is it now? Twenty twenty-two. So yeah, at least seven yeah. or eight of them. Wow, I think yeah. you took is a that break the from... most of any mentor? I would guess. I would say. Cause... Oh, I might be the champion. You yeah. are the champion. <laughs> yeah. Hey. <laughs> Amanda Blankenship. Amanda did that for many seasons. Yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but joke. you've got the Tuesday night slot. So the Tuesday night slot. Don't mess with it. <laughs> Don't <laughs> even try to steal my slot. <laughs> it's right. like the old like sitcoms, you know, when you'd have like the Tuesday night oh, at yes. six thirty. Exactly. Got you know who What's, you're gonna get. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's right. right. Yeah, it's like Johnny Carson. Emily Weeks. But Rachel, I did let Rachel take my summer slot. That's right, girl. Don't worry. I'll get you in that summer. That's I okay. was in that one. It was supposed to be That's yours, right. but then it ended up being Rachel's. That's right. That's right. My big question, though, in your class, Emily, is there a laugh track that comes oh my along goodness. with... It feels like it'd be fitting. It does feel like it would be fitting. The problem <laughs> is... <laughs> you know? The problem is that... You know, you see all these beautiful faces in these boxes, but you can't hear them. And so for some reason, that just kind of revs up my stand-up comedy oh, routine. Man. Is that right? <laughs> like it gets worse because they can't, I can't hear them laughing. So then I right. just start like, oh, you know. Oh, right. see, because the they're on mute. Yes. So you, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, they, yeah. You can't interact. And so you just keep going, you you're know. You're just laughing at your own jokes. Yeah. yeah, you're just laughing at your own jokes. Versus in a room, you're reading the room, seeing how yeah. happy, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not reading the room. I'm just kind of like, okay, mm-hmm. and now let's get very serious. <laughs> it's yeah, like exactly. a lot of up and down. Yeah. Yes, yeah. girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so Okay, rabbit trail. So you're talking about just that whole environment of like Zoom and all of that. The wildest one for me, and I've only led the group a couple times because I do more social media stuff. But the last one, Nick, you were on our last one. Yeah. I flew to Texas for this whatever it was that week. And we had, people were sharing and sharing their last songs. So it's like I've got to run out to my dad's office and so the kids won't be around. Well, my son decides he's going to eat a taco. And, sorry, this is majorly real life. Chokes, like Heimlich maneuver level chokes on the taco 
10 minutes before class starts. So I'm trying oh, to do the no. Heimlich oh, wow. on him. My mom had bought one of those de-choker machines. And There's was a trying de-choker to find machine? It. I didn't even know that. It's like a suction that sucks There's together. a link. Oh, yeah. There's an Amazon she link was, in the show notes. <laughs> she ran. Add to cart. Add to cart to try to go open it. And I was like, mom, why did you oh. not? So all of this is going on at the same time. And I'm like, is my son going to die on the night of the last, uh-huh. this uh-huh. last class? Uh-huh. That'd be awful. It, was, it would be I probably but would not be doing this but, right now. But so, so he was fine. But let's talk about yes, yes. that other class where you were at the V. You had a VBS skit right before oh. your mentorship started. <laughs> this tell I feel us like I was on that one as well, were, right? Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that, Rach. The last one I hopped on and I, you know, we had just done the Heimlich. The first one. I overcommitted and my church had this VBS thing, asked me to volunteer. I said yes and realized, oh my gosh, why did I say yes? That's the first night of class. So I asked the pastor if I could do it in his office. And he was like, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't tell me that they were, because it's Big Gross Adventure, that's our big VBS, that they were going to dump brownie mix on my head. <laughs> did you, did I I don't think I noticed this. <laughs> so I hopped on with my hat and I was like, hey guys, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm a little disheveled. I'm just, you know. Uh, I remember this, I remember this whole bit. Yes. And I remember thinking there was at least two or three, the one, the Texas one yes. and the VBS one, where it was like, like weird, weird you know lighting. when Kramer would, like in Seinfeld, for those who can remember Seinfeld, oh, no. came flying into the scene. And it was just like, <laughs> yes. Just like at the beginning of the Zoom call, oh, you just came flying. And then, but led these great small groups. It was great. There was too much margin for error. I mean, I think I was even emailing and texting Eric, and he was helping me (laughs) set things up on his birthday (laughs) dinner. And I was like, Oh, oh no. my, anyways, it was just, there's been some good stories. Oh, good yeah. time. I'll never forget. She texted me and said, hey, they're going to dump fake mud on my head. And it's like 20 minutes before my class starts. It was, was the like, worst. Good luck, sister. Yeah, idea that I ever, anyways. Boundaries. Uh, I, I, need I have them. video. We've got linked in the show notes. No, that's, no, no. that's right. That's Behind right. the scenes of the <laughs> worship songwriter mentorship, oh, you guys have stories. That's why we wanted Worship. you to come on to tell these Thank kind you. of Thank insider you. Yeah. stories. It's awesome. I'm blessing you today. Oh, man. Well, what we're going to do is with this podcast is we're going to try to share with every episode that we do a portion of conference. So something that we recorded from our writing worship conference, our most recent one was in September of 2022. So we've got a ton of of talks and teachings and maybe some other things like worship leading or some other things musically that we could maybe even share. Because I think like Rita Springer shared some amazing things. Um, So we're here for the worship songwriter. This is the podcast for the songwriter uh, that wants to write songs for the church. And and hopefully we're going to have some fun. It's not just for Brave. You know, Brave was was females only. Sure. This is now broadening. There's two two men in the room. Thank you for letting us. Yes. Go do brothers. This. You're welcome. Repping the chromosome. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that before. That's funny. And our first guest that I thought we'd introduce for uh, the first ta- speaker is going to be Christy Knuckles. Aww. Is there anything you'd like to say? You introduced Christy before yes. her talk. Yeah. So, cool. yeah. so in a short, I know we don't have a lot of time today yeah, sure. to do that, but um, just oh, share. I could go on and on. And I know, on her, I know. She's been <laughs> no. impactful to you. Yeah. So. so Christy, when we first moved here for graduate school, I really, I mean, so we got engaged and then Caleb mentioned that he might, things that you do when you're 
yeah. fresh out of college. He mentioned, hey, I might actually indeed want to go to graduate school. I was like, great. Well, probably like somewhere here in Southern California, because I don't think I ever see us moving anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, surprise, actually, I've always had a thing for Belmont. Mm-hmm. And I was in like, Nashville. okay, mm-hmm. so cool. Well, that's, why don't you also, you know, check out some of these schools in the L.A. area. Well, he could never quite shake it as we went through that process. So we ended up here. And it was really crazy because right before we moved, and I was sad. I mean, I would look at the Pacific Ocean. Like, mm. I would go drive down there and be like, goodbye, my love. Oh. Like, cry into the ocean. Yeah, I would like cry. Emily's tears. I'm really poetic about nature, and I am an ocean fan. So I was just like, mm. goodbye. But mm. anyway, so we come. But on the way here, we actually played a watermark song. Wow. The, that was the first thing that we put on when we got in the car with the U-Haul. Wow. And so it was very, very interesting because our first mm. Sunday here visiting a church, I actually saw her. Mm. So we didn't know where, I, I mean, I actually just thought of her as like this singer in a band called Watermark that I loved. And I also, then I figured out, oh, she's the voice of these passion albums mm-hmm. that I love. But I never really figured out like, where do they live? Is she the same person? You don't think about that when you don't yeah. think about it. Yeah, especially when you don't live in a, a music city, you don't think about it. You're just like, oh, I have this CD or this, you know, this song. I'm gonna pop in, you know. Mm. So CDs, remember those guys? Yeah, I still love a yes, nice girl. CD oh, yeah. popping around this van, you know. It's always scratched up. It's always scratched up. Yeah, yeah. Track <laughs> Indeed. So anyway, but yeah, so she was the first person I saw, and I was like, oh my goodness, she lives here. And also goes to this church, like, okay. So over time, we became friends through um, one of my dear friends was nannying for her. And we became friends. And that was an interesting process to go like, okay, a hero of mine, I'm becoming friends with them, but like, they're still a hero of mine. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're in your early 20s, there's a lot where you're like awkward about it, Mm -hmm. you know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Was that a weird transition, I assume? Yeah, she was very gracious. I, You know, because I really, she really was probably the most significant person in teaching me how to worship through song. I would play those songs over and over. So then when you run into the person, you're like, oh, hi, who are you? Hi, I'm Emily, but I actually know your kids' names because oh I read gosh. all, you know. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah, yeah. I've no, so just, yeah. But she was really sweet it. and gracious. And then we, she was one of those people that's like, okay, hey, Em, like, let's just grab coffee and, and let's, and so I was, remember going to that coffee, like, oh, I've got, you know, seven questions that I'm going to ask, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. But she was sweet. And then we be, kind of became pen pals when she moved to Atlanta and now they're back. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. anyway, she's the best. So she's become a friend of yours. Um, and she shared, she's been somebody that Chrissy has actually uh, befriended, even though, you know, that many years ago when she came and spoke, uh, Chrissy didn't really connect with her. But since then, she found out about the writing worship book because of you, I think. Mm-hmm. That's right. Because That's the, crazy. Because you were talking about Chrissy and the impact that she had yeah. on you. Yep. And you've also had an incredible testimony, which maybe we'll get in another mm-hmm. banter time, mm-hmm. is to, I want to hear, you know, we want to hear about your songwriting so journey. Good. It's been quite interesting and you're really flourishing now with with a lot of your songs being sung at that, probably that same church that you visited. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, That's right. so all of that kind of came full circle. Christy read the book and then said, I want to meet her. And so they became friends and and have had 
you know, great relationship since then. And so we wanted to invite her to come to conference as one of our main session speakers. And she was, she did not disappoint. No, mm-hmm. no So good. We so thought good. we wanted to share that with you guys. Yeah. So should we move on to Christy? Yeah. Let's do it. Without further ado. <laughs> Without further ado, here is Christy Knuckle. So Christy, I don't know where you went, but thank you so much. In fact, um, I've had coffee with her. I just reached out to her. Um, the first thing I said to her was just like, I just want to thank you because I just know from watching Emily's life, like just the fruit that's come from Emily just getting to be around Christy and be under her leadership. And that's rare, right? I mean, unfortunately, when you meet someone and that's flourishing under like a human's care, um, it's like you just know that the Holy Spirit's involved, right? And so I just wanted to thank her, number one. And, I, and then I'm just like, I want to know you. What are you doing? I see what you're doing, but I also just kind of want to know. And then lo and behold, like I'm, I get to be here with you guys today. And so I'm just so just honored to be a part of this today and to get to be with you. And um, I just want to talk a little bit about what it looks like to even, you know, live from a place of rest, but also that obviously would pour into writing from a place of rest. And I don't mean like um, necessarily a physical rest, um, although we need that, right? We need a Sabbath weekly, but like this is like a deep soul rest. That's like a like a, a thing that we just settle into, uh, like John 15, just abiding, right? So this is what I want to kind of just share with you and Honestly, the Lord just um, interrupted my life um, so many years ago when I was, we were in that watermark uh, season, um, kids in tow, literally just like, feel like we strapped them on and just like <laughs> kept going. I'll never forget just like being in the back of the bus and there, we had a pack and play just like wedged in this little back lounge and watching our now 22-year-old, but like when he was a baby, like just catch air. Like we're going like 75 down the highway. I'm like laying on this couch back there, just like going like, what are we doing? And Noah's just like, boom, like catching air. So crazy. But um, yeah, it was just a time of my life where um, the Lord just, he really made himself known. And I've just really discovered that the Lord will come after us. He doesn't always stop us from living in this like crazy striving pace, right? Sometimes he like lets us hit a wall and that's what happened. And I'll share that with you uh, just in a little bit, but like really it's just this place of living from our belovedness, which is really like us owning our identity as sons and daughters. And it's a place to live from. Um, it's a place to write from, I've found. And, um, you know, a room like this, I always think it's just probably fun to hear stories behind the songs, right? Um, I thought maybe I would share um, just one night getting to sit around a farm table in Johns Creek, Georgia. Um, this was a long time ago. And it was a group of just dear friends. And, you know, I think that there's, as I thought about this and I've just remembered this and obviously like this sticks out and because this is like, 
maybe 10% of rights, right? <laughs> Most of the time when we're songwriting, it can feel like a fight, right? It can feel like, and that's okay too. Like sometimes we do just have to like, um, not power through it, but sometimes it's hard, right? And we have to maybe get up and walk around and pray and go and just leave the room maybe and just kind of regroup. And sometimes it's, it is hard, but sometimes like there are just those, you know, sometimes the Lord will give a song in just a moment's time and you feel like, wow, this just like came, you know, right through me. But this night, you know, I think has some sweet framework as I look back on it of what it looks like to live and even write in community from rest. Um, it was when I wrote, I got to be a part of writing, Lord, I need you. And it was around this farm table and I think about the elements, like last night I was just remembering. It was, you know, just dear friends. The pace had been um, so sweet and slow that day. Um, we had a shared vision. I think that's so important. We weren't necessarily like writing for an individual's record, but we were writing literally. We had been on our faces that morning, which I think that helps, right? But in the Bible together, the scripture all day together, sharing meals around that very table. And then the shared vision of just writing for the next generation. I mean, we were praying for these songs for the next Passion Conference. And so there was like the shared vision and we were just coming around this and like hands open and going, Lord, what do you have? Not just for us, but like, what do you have for the church? Like, what are you saying? What do you want the song to be that's in our mouth? And Nathan always talks about my husband, like just also at nighttime, it's like the veil lifts at night. So it was at night. And it was maybe just the end of a long day. We could have been at this place of being really tired, but we felt rested. It was like this joy that was just like so sweet. And I remember just our Bibles being open around that table. And we just, uh, you know, started to uh, come around. What if we looked at this old hymn, I need, I need Thee Every Hour. So that was kind of where we started. And then um, just a little side note, I love Chrissy's, um, the songwriter personality test. Like how many of you have taken that? Yes, okay, awesome. It changed, it's life-changing, right? So I'm in the hearing prophetic category. So you've probably like studied some of that, which so for us, it's like uh, truth is kind of like the, the end all, right? Like you love, you might love melody and lyric and yes, like I love both of those, but I feel responsible for delivering an accurate message like your, um, like it says on that list. And then, um, but one of the things that we have to be careful about is, which I, as soon as I read it, I was like, oh, that's me. <laughs> but we have to be careful that our melodies and lyrics are not too complex. Like often they're not palatable for corporate worship, right? And so I've found that I have got to be in the room with certain kind of people if I'm gonna write a corporate song. I really do need that. I need someone that has structure and that's going to be coming around me to help me sort of make it palatable because that's that that's a thing, right? It needs to be palatable. We need corporate songs for the church. And so um, I'll never forget though, like, so if, knowing that about me, you might, if you thought about it long enough, you would probably know, like I, I obviously contributed the whole time, but my main interjection in the song was uh, the bridge. And I, I never forget singing out, teach my song to rise to you at the table. And Matt Marr, who's sitting next to me, he just like looks at me. And 
what I love about Matt, and this is something we can all learn from, is that he will try on your idea like a jacket. And he will sing it with that big baritone-like, just deep voice as loud as he can. Isn't that beautiful? Like how many times have you just wished that like whoever's kind of that person in the room that's like driving the ride, there's always that one guy or girl, you know, but it's like Matt, just he will try on your idea. He will sing it out loud. And so it was like, he just, I mean, sang it out. And it was like, I turned into that little emoji, like that new emoji that's like, you're like, like the, your eyes are just welling with tears. I was like, <laughs> and, <laughs> and then it just was like, we went around the table and it was almost like, teach my song to rise to you. He was like, when temptation comes my way and when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you because Jesus, you're my hope and stay. It was just around this table, right? And it just, I felt like, such a, a, a part of that. Now, had I written that song all on my own, it wouldn't be the sung song that it is, right? It just, it just wouldn't, and I know that. And that's beautiful because I've learned to just own that. I've learned to own my specific, my specific voice and my even strengths and weaknesses and knowing like who I need in the room with me. That's just like a big deal. And also just being okay, um, with the fact that like we need each other in that moment, right? We just, we need to come around it with this, um, just the beauty of what like a, a, a farm table of friends, if you want to look at it like that. Now your next right, just like walk into it and be like, how can we make this like farm table <laughs> with friends? Um, but yeah, I just want to tell a little bit about my story. Um, I'm a PK. I was raised in Oklahoma, um, just a country girl at heart. And I spent much of my adult life just doing exactly what I thought I was supposed to do. And it was all good things. I was using my gifts for God, striving to make him known to the world. I'm going to take a drink. And I recognize, right, that there's like a stewardship that comes with our gifts, and we should steward our gifts well. There, there is, that's a thing. But it didn't take long for me um, in those days uh, when, you know, God used early motherhood for me. That was the point, like I was saying before, it was just like, we kind of just was like, you know, strap the kids on and let's just keep going. And, um, but it didn't take long for that stewardship and it kind of, it became a burden. And honestly, like singing for God uh, took the place of sitting with him. And I realized that I knew how to live for God, but I didn't know how to live from him. And I'll never forget leading one night. Uh, I was in Texas and my this sweet friend I had just met, I barely knew her at the time. Now we're like deep, long, you know, friends, 20 year friends. But she came up to me after I led that night and she was like, Christy, the whole time you were leading, I know this is gonna sound crazy, but like every time I shut my eyes, I saw like a bullseye in concentric circles. And she was like, and then I just kept hearing Philippians 2. And she was like, I know that sounds so weird, but just take that. I was like, thanks. <laughs> well, fast forward a couple of months and I'm upstairs. I'm cleaning a bathroom, cleaning a toilet of all things. And I love this because, you know, in scripture, it's like it, all the men like went out to meet with God, like the burning bush, right? And then all throughout scripture, it's so beautiful. You see that God came and, and he met women right where they were. And that's what happened. I was cleaning this toilet and all of a sudden I just felt this deep desire in me to just want to come home. I didn't know it then, but it was, it was really, it was a call like physically to come home actually. 
he would actually ask me to, to lay down a lot. But it was a spiritual call to come home. And I went downstairs. I sat at my farm table. I, I knew the Holy Spirit. I mean, I, it was like one of those manifest presence moments. Sat there. I did a, like a really spiritual thing where I just let my Bible fall open to wherever it would. I was like, I know you're here. So just speak what you want to speak. Because I don't know what to do with this desire that's just filling my heart right now. Like you're shifting something in me. Like I want to come home and like take care of my people. I want to like know how to cook things so the food doesn't rot when we're between like, you know, bus trips. And um, I open it up to Psalm, in my, my Bible fell open to Psalm 37. And it's so beautiful because that's really, that's my gospel story. That's the, actually the passage of scripture, how I was saved when I was seven. Commit thy way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. That was on a wall plaque in our house that had my name on it. We all had them. Did anyone have like the 80s wall plaques? You're all like so much younger than me. But we had these 80s wall plaques and we each had one for our name. And mine said, Christy, follower of Christ, Psalm 37.5. And it was a paraphrase in King James. And I memorized it. I let that plaque name me. I'm like, that's my name and that's my verse. And so I wrote it on everything. And then one night in church, um, when my dad was preaching, my mom had the wisdom. She was watching me kind of scribble and I had like written that out and she saw, I had written out, you know, commit thy way to the Lord, trust also in him. She takes it and she turns it over and she's like, yes, if Christy gives her heart to Jesus, he will show her the way to go. And that is what the Holy Spirit used that night. I went down and took my earthly dad's hand and embraced my heavenly father's heart for me, Jesus. And so that morning I'm just back here and the Lord, hang on, I feel like I have a dachshund hair in my mouth. We... (laughs) We have two long-haired dachshunds. Sometimes they just appear in my mouth. Um, So Psalm 37, I'm back to my gospel story. It was so beautiful. And I just, you know, I I read this verse, verse four, that's right before that. It's like on tea towels and coffee cups. We all know it. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. But all of a sudden, it was like that word give jumped out at me. I'd never seen it like this before it was like, he will show you what your desires are. Like he will give you the desires of your heart. And I think it's both ways. I think also he will fulfill things in us that have been there a long time, but it's like, he's the instiller and the fulfiller. So it's just like, you get to this place where you're, you're starting to desire the right things. The more that you like, you know, sit with him and you start learning how to delight in him. And I didn't know how to do that at that point in my life. I'm embarrassed to say that it was like, we were just on the go at that point. And the Lord brought me back here, that verse that changed it all. Commit everything you do to him and trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn and the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. And I'll never forget, he just said, Christy, just enjoy me so I can enjoy you. And then he said, do you trust me with your cause? And I thought, what is my cause? And the more I've actually studied this psalm, that word cause means our righteousness. It means like our rightness before him. And he's like, so you think about even the twofold meaning of that. Like, he's like, do you trust me with your rightness before me? Like that you don't have to do all these things to feel right in front of others and in front of me. Like, do you trust that Jesus is your righteousness? And then also, do you trust me with your gifts and your talents? Like to the point where if I, I asked you to like 
lay that down? Like, would you trust me with it? And then he just said, Christy, just hit the bullseye. And I'll take care of all the outer rings of your life and I'll show you my glory. And as I sat there, of course, Lauren's vision comes back to me. (laughs) The bullseye in concentric circles. It was like you could put a transparency over this scripture, like he was affirming that word. And it was like I could see myself just running ragged in this outer ring, like living from the outside in. And he was like, I have made a way for the beloved of God, the sons and daughters, to live from a place of the inside out to where if we just hit that mark, there's a spiritual principle involved with it that he literally will take care of everything else. And I I mean, it's why I ended up writing a book on this because, and I cried through the whole thing because it was just like recalling his faithfulness that he did that. He did that. So yeah, um, I laid down my career for about five years or so, just reordering my life. And God called me to this place of like hiddenness where I just really squirmed at first. (laughs) But I just learned how to be seen like at the kitchen sink. And um, I had a minivan in that stage of my life and I called it my sanctuary. I probably wrote 40 songs in that minivan. And some days, you know, I would look down and there's like, Chick-fil-A nuggets on the floor. I remember one time I wrote a song called Wonderful on the way to Target. I looked back, it was like a Barbie head. I was just like, okay, this is what I got. (laughs) But you're here with me. You are here with me. And I'm gonna lift my voice. I was worried about something. I'm gonna lift my voice and I'm just gonna start praising you. You're here, you're, you're right here with me. And so it was just this process of learning, like he's with me. I'll never forget, I, I met this songwriter at the time. Her name's Terry. She writes for country and um, she had come over because Nathan was producing a demo for her at that time. And he came upstairs. And of course, this is when, you know, I'd like laid down my career and he's just like, hey, will you come sing this demo really quick? And I was like, really? It was like ran downstairs because I got to do something musical. I was so excited. And I met her and something about her just was like Jesus. And so I just said, hey, can we go to coffee? And, you know, she told me she had nine kids. She was homeschooling them all um, and writing country songs. And I'm just like, I need like the 411. Like I need to know like how you're doing this, right? I needed like a wall chart in my laundry, you know, my laundry room where I could just like check off boxes. Like I needed a program at that point because I'm just like, how am I going to do this? So I'll never forget at Starbucks, I'm sitting with her and her eyes welled up with tears. And I'm just like, in that moment, I'm just like, why is she crying? I mean, she's got it all figured out, right? She's writing songs. But I look back now and it's like, she was just in the middle of it, right? Nine kids homeschooling. And she just goes, all I know, Christy, is just, you just keep inviting the glorious into the mundane. And she's just like, I sit on my laundry room floor with my notebook. I fold laundry. I pray for my kids as I hold up different clothing articles of my kids, praying for their lives, like the armor of God over them. And I'm writing songs on my laundry room floor. So I'm like, wow, there's nowhere to hide, right? (laughs) There's nowhere we can go from his presence. Like he is gonna meet us right where we are. 
So there was just this beautiful thing of God calling me to this place of like living from my highest calling. And in fact, if you want to draw a bullseye, like if you drew the bullseye, like the word calling is just in there. That is your true calling. And this is like Romans 8, living life in the spirit. This is like, there's no new truths under the sun. The bullseye thing is just a lens to look at age old truth. You know, living life in the spirit, you can write these down, look at them later, Romans 8, like putting on the new self, Ephesians 4. And again, you know, John 15, abiding in Christ, is, that's just, it's what it is. It's just the Lord's like, actually, if you'll like live like this and you can live from me, I have so much that I want to do through you. And I'll actually reclaim the outer rings of your life. Like that's the part of him just like, I'll show you my glory. I just want you to come home and learn how to be my kid again. And that was what was so beautiful, right? Of just getting to take care of my kids at that season of my life. And like while I was learning to be his kid again, and it was like he was just teaching me so much through that beautiful ministry of getting to like put my kids first And then you think about like just that next outer ring. Before I say that, I want to just say this. Like I really, I I will say (laughs) the enemy has come after this message more than anything I've ever like that's ever come out of my mouth. This beloved message, like I can't even describe to you the opposition that has come against me, even just like since my, this I released this book even on it. It's just, and anytime I speak about it, it's like I have to double down on prayer around my family because it is literally like the enemy absolutely knows that when you own your belovedness, like you are unstoppable and that God is gonna show up in your life in ways that like you just never even imagined he could. And so it's powerful. But I will say like, this isn't even something that like, it's, it's even counter church culture sometimes in some places, sadly. And um, I remember when we first started like going, okay, like the Lord is asking us to like protect our family. And it was when I was leading up to that, like, okay, I'm laying this career down. And to the point where our management um, was getting upset, like our, you know, they manage Christian artists and they were getting upset that we were putting our family first. And it's just like, no, we need you to say yes to this. We need you to say yes to this. And we need you to do these things. And we were just like feeling this resistance. And I'll never forget like our manager who was like, kind of started out as this little guy and then he merged with this big company. Well, he comes on behalf of the the higher ups (laughs) to our house. After I had literally just had our second child, I was like knee deep in postpartum everything. And he comes in and he, they drop us from the management um, because we were, wanting to choose our family. And so we were wanting to live in that bullseye. And I sat there and I was just like so defensive. In fact, I started to kind of like go in on him and Nathan just gives me this look. He's like, like, shh. And, and right as I was like getting ready to kind of ignore his uh, warning, he's just thinking, he's just like, let it go, babe. This is like God's way of just, he's releasing us. Like, this is good, right? And so right at that time, both baby monitors went off. Both babies started like crying, a toddler and a baby at the same time. And it was like, the Lord just showed me who I was supposed to just stick up for. Like, so I just went upstairs. I grab our baby girl. He lets our manager out. He gets Noah, and I never forget, we met in the hallway upstairs. 
And he's like, what are you thinking? And I just said, I have to believe that God's going to take care of us no matter what. Like if we're choosing this and this is what he's leading us to choose, our family, I have to believe he's going to just provide. And I was like, did you let him out? I was like, was it so weird? I was like, what are you thinking? You know? And he was like, I was thinking all the way to the door. He's like, I didn't say anything else. I just let him out. But he's like, all the way to the door, I was thinking like, get off my land and don't touch my roosters. (laughs) That's literally what came out of his mouth. And I realized he was actually serious. I mean, we don't have roosters, but like, I realized he was It was like all the daddy in him rose up to protect the roost, right? He's just, and just in full disclosure, like that manager is no longer in Christian music and I've gotten to like hug him pretty good, like in the last seven years. And he's just living from a place of just contentment and rest and because the Holy Spirit is good. And this is, this message of rest is for all of us. And so we've just kind of, I've seen him around town and, It's just sweet that the Lord even brought that full circle moment. But just to show you, like, it's something that, like, if the Lord's calling you to live from that bullseye place and really trust him with your writing, trust him with even what you've created, like, you'll even enjoy it more when you just release it to him. He's the greatest content creator there is. Like, he can be trusted with anything we create. Um. So yeah, that next outer ring, the Lord just showed me that that's, the, that's our community. That's a beloved community. And then just to give you a full picture, that outermost ring, it's like the Lord just kind of just gave me this word capacity. So there's the calling of the beloved in the bullseye. There's the community of the beloved in that middle ring. And then there's the capacity of the beloved. And you remember that Lauren just said Philippians 2, you know? She's like, I don't know, Philippians 2. Well, then when if you read that, you know, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, which all those things we find in that bullseye place with the Lord, then complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. So if you think about it, it's just this beautiful um, rhythm, I like to call it, of hiding, abiding, and then emerging into community. That starts with like your immediate family, and then it goes out from there with the the people that God's even asked you to um, co-labor with, people he's asking you to help raise up, because that is a thing. That's what we should be doing. And so it all kind of fits in that place. And I love it. It's people before productivity. And Jesus lived that, right? He pulled those disciples close. We wouldn't even be sitting here right now if he hadn't pulled them close and just said, be the kingdom. So Paul right here in Philippians 2, he's not questioning like, if this is happening, he's just saying like, if you're experiencing these things, there is no way this is not happening. You know, so he's just like, be it. If you're like experiencing it in the bullseye with the Lord, then go be that to the people around you. Be who, you know, you needed when you were young. Be that for those people that you're helping to raise up. And then I think about just spiritual capacity. That's that last outer ring. I mean, we could do a whole, you know, talk on all three of these things. But um, the Lord just showed me, it was so sweet as I was writing this book, even like 
when it came to the word capacity, you know, you think about it just in, in terms of like um, cranking out. I think we all kind of go there. Capacity is like what you got to get done, right? You think about just got to crank this out. But the Lord really showed me like the very first definition, even in Webster's of capacity is actually what, what we can, what can something or someone in this case can contain or hold or receive or be filled up with. So the Lord showed me that picture that the capacity of the beloved really just looks like that filling every morning of us getting in the presence of God in the mundane, whether that's your kitchen sink or your dirty minivan, whatever it is, but he's with you and, and, and coming before him in consecration every day. I've just like, I really started rededicating my life every day. I used to do it every year at camp, but when I was little, but that's just Romans 12. It's like every day, like I am a living sacrifice. I offer it to you as my spiritual act of worship, like my limbs, like everything, God. I, am, I don't belong to me. I belong to you. Like I surrender my life to you. So you think about just that feeling that can happen. Even just you look at this, you know, Paul prayed for spiritual strength over us. Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. For this reason, you can totally just see this bullseye picture if you for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, in that bullseye, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. That's your community and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And then you see those outer rings being reclaimed. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Like he shows up and does it. It's a filling. I love Ephesians 2.10. You're his workmanship, right? And you're created in Christ Jesus for good works that were already prepared in advance for you. We don't have to strive to know what those things are. We just get with the Lord. We get close to his heart. And I believe in participating with the Holy Spirit, we start to understand like the calling of our life every single day, not just like what you're gonna speak at or sing at or lead at or where you're right, but literally like just who you're gonna encounter. I think about just a friend of mine, Larry, he's um, just precious and he's a prayer warrior. He's um, just really just talks with people about how to meet with God, like what that bullseye could even look like for you on a daily basis. And but he said he was at a conference one time and he was just, he, he was getting ready to speak and he felt like he just needed to kind of like, I need to get my head around my notes. And this person kept talking and talking. And he said he felt, he was like the Holy Spirit just said, Larry, you'll never be greater than the love that you hold for the person right in front of you. And he was just like, yes, Lord. <laughs> um, so even our filling, right, um, could be just the person at the grocery store. And what I've even found is just like when you start trusting God with your cause and your songs and um, you're able to see people <laughs> for the first time. It was like when I really started trusting him with my cause, I wasn't so focused on like, yeah, but like my career, what's this, you know, how, how am I going to keep this cranking? How am I going to get in front of this person? And the Lord's just like, I'll hold up your cause. And that will actually free you to hold up the cause of others. Like, I think that's even how he holds up our causes that he gets us in on it. So we're holding up each other's cause. And so he's like, 
I've already brought all these young women into the general vicinity of you. And I'm starting like faces start coming to my head, my brain. And he's like, yeah, they, they all want to do what you do. And you just get to invite them into your familiar with me, this new place of you living from me, not just for me. Invite them in. I remember I just, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to cook. I just made pancakes at night around our farm table, that same farm table where I had that epiphany that morning in Psalm 37. But you start to see and sing over others. Sometimes that's literally, a lot of you could just sing over all of us right now, probably. But your life spiritually sings. Um, Our little, (laughs) our youngest, we have three kids. Noah's 22, uh, Ellie's 19, and then Annie Rose, she's 15. But when she was about two and a half, I was putting her down in her crib one night. And she, the best thing was that she used to suck these two fingers. And she either always had them in her mouth or she had them out to the side. Like she was just... <laughs> had a little <laughs> cigarette. And so I laid her in her crib. She's sucking those fingers and she takes them out and she's like, sing a song. <laughs> and I said, I will if you use your manners. I said, say please. She was like, please. <laughs> and so, you know, being a responsible parent that's trying to like, you know, raise up my kids in the, the fear and the love of the Lord, I just start singing a song that we had written at the time. Almighty fortress is our God. You know, I'm rubbing her little tummy and she goes, can you sing all the single ladies? <laughs> I mean, kids will like round off your edges like nothing else will. But sometimes the people in your life, like they don't know the God song. And so you get to hear the God song over yourself first. And then you get to sing it over others right? Annie hadn't learned the God song yet, obviously. (laughs) Um, And she just knew that from the Chipmunks movie. I'm going to just be honest. Like, I wasn't wasn't rocking all the single ladies in my minivan. But I will say this and kind of just end on this, but... um, you know, that capacity um, of the beloved, you know, you get to these outer rings and you think, okay, this is where I get to run in my lane, right? But I'm sure that a lot of you have found, I don't know, I mean, especially in the last couple of years, um, that sometimes you can have like a head full of vision. You can know where you're going. You can know what you're writing about and for. And, but all of a sudden it feels like you just get hit with either like things don't go as planned um, something derails in the right or just like that did not go at all like I thought it would. Or you're just literally like you're walking through like hardship and trial and and suffering. Um, But what I've learned is that doesn't have to derail us. In fact, what I've found over and over (laughs) to the point where I'm always like, oh yeah, is that things not going as planned and hardship and trial have actually been the seasons where there have been the most growth in my life and the most forward movement. And so I want to just encourage you right where you are, if you feel stuck even, or if you just feel in a place like where you're just like, this has not gone like I thought it would. If you're just in a place of like, I feel like I just, I have all this vision, I have this heart, and I just hit this wall. 
Well, I want to encourage you that the Lord has something in that for you. In fact, He has a lot in that for you. I think about just even just suffering, seasons of suffering in my life. Nathan and I, we lost two babies in 1999, miscarriage one after the other. Um, but what God, I look back and it's like, what he birthed in me at that time was a deep compassion. In fact, that would have been that tour, you know, that we were on. And we shared the song, Glory Baby, that came out of that. Now I wrote one line of that song, Glory Baby, you slipped away as fast as we could say baby. And that's about all I could write. (laughs) But it took months, right? I had to make the choice. Like, am I going to be offended by this? Am I going to be offended at God? Am I going to numb out? Am I going to just like medicate? with Netflix or whatever it is. For me at that time, it was house hunting. And the Lord's just like, you are like medicating with house hunting. Like open your heart. Like I have a healing I want to do in in you. And I wouldn't have chosen to write the song Glory Baby and be talking about miscarriages for myself, right? I wouldn't have chosen that. None of us would choose what we're going through, but the Lord has so much in it for us if we will choose to open our heart to him in that time. And he used that song, Glory Baby, all across the nation. We did an 80-city tour with Point of Grace that year. And he knew all the while, (laughs) you're going to come out and you're going to sing. And this song is going to come up right out of the soil of your suffering. And you're going to sing out that I'm still faithful in it. I think about just, I went through hearing loss in 2017. I was sat there with an ENT and he drops the news on me. He's like, you have sensory neural hearing loss. It's probably like from some kind of virus. I had been sick on our Christmas tour, had no idea what was going on. I just thought I had a double ear infection. I didn't even bring Nathan with me because I just thought, this is no big deal. He's going to give me antibiotic. And he's like, no, this is like inner ear. This is like, has to do with like, like you need to go see a neurologist, you know? And I'm like, what? But even in that, (laughs) talk about, God bringing me back to a place where I'm just like, this affords me something that nothing else can or does. God allowing things not to go our way and like even suffering, it just, it's almost like, and he, he healed my ears. <laughs> um, 10 months later, Literally, like the doctor comes out. He's not a believer. He's just waving this hearing test. And he's like, you need to go have home and have a party. He was like, you just need to understand that. I do not see this. Like he was like, you were so far beyond us like doing anything that could have helped you. Because when that happens, in fact, if, you ever, if that ever happens, it's considered an emergency. You need to call immediately if you lose hearing. I learned all these things. And he's just like, when those cochlear hairs on the inside lay down, he was like, there is very, you have like a very small chance of them raising back up. He's like, go home and have a party. (laughs) And so, but through that, it was almost like when things started getting normal again, it was like, I missed that intimacy with God that that brought. It was a dependency, right? It's just this dependency that nothing else will bring. And sometimes that's just what, it's just what he uses in my life. He'll use anything, but he'll just slow us down to this place of just really trusting him and walking with him and conversing with him, like using our mouth out loud to talk to him, casting our cares on him because he said we could. And I think about just even like I was saying, just this Filled like the opposition that's come against this message. And I wrote, you know, wrote this book. It took me two years. It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I thought it was going to be like songwriting, but it is like, it's like a whole different 
part of your creativity and brain to write a book and working with an editor, I felt like I was just like getting punched. But, um, and then the day my book comes out, I'm getting a CT scan, um, just having all this crazy physical stuff going on. And I'm literally laying there going like, really? So that kind of culminated like into like months and months, literally where it felt like just one thing after another, like physically coming against me, stuff that it's literally like, it feels irresponsible to not go to the ER and Nathan's staying there with me and praying over me and just us trying to make the decision. Like we've got to get on the plane the next morning and go lead at this thing. But these symptoms tell me when you Google it that you need to be at the ER. So you're just at this place of going, Lord, um, I trust you in this. Like, I know you have me. My mom got ovarian cancer. We almost lost her right around when the book came. Thankfully, she's just, she's doing pretty well right now. Praise God. But it kind of culminated into just months and months. And we had just declared that we were going to write a record. We're going to be releasing music this fall and into the winter. But we were writing for that or trying to, and it just felt like hitting a wall, hitting a wall. I didn't physically even feel like doing anything. Like if I have all this vision and I know what this record's about, but it was just like literally being able to like put one foot in front of the other. It was just so hard. And I was disappointed to the point where like my feelings were hurt. And I had never really gotten to a place like that, even after all I'd been through to the place where like anger was festering in me. And I'll never forget, I just, this was actually just this past spring, I ended up on the porch and Nathan had taken our youngest, who's 15 now, and they were out on, he'd taken her to a movie and, I was out on the front porch, just me and our dachshunds. And, and I just started talking to the Lord and just kind of like started out pretty much like, you know, I was just upset. My feelings were hurt. And um, it turned into like a two hour long thing where I just was like laying it all out. And then just his kindness just, just brought me to repentance. And I just started confessing the anger had built up in me and just laying it all out before him. And, and all I know how to, dis, how to describe it is just like in that moment, it was like the God who sees saw me. And it felt like when I was seven, just when I used to just experience his presence, it's just in the backyard. I didn't know it was him then, but looking back, it was him. And I'm just like, I sense him. I mean, I'm like, oh, you are here. Like I knew he was there, but it was just like, okay. The God who sees just like he saw me. And again, it was just like, he's just like, come back home. <laughs> come back home. I have, I, have, I have a song. I have songs I want to birth in you. They're going to come out. I got the outer rings. He's like, come home again. You've had this anger and this angst and this disappointment, discouragement. And just you pull out all of that, actually. You didn't even know it, but it was clouding your ability to hear the God song. <laughs> and he's just like, come home. And I'm just like, yeah, but I mean, like, I don't feel good. Like, I feel like literally at that, the thing I had, I was literally thought I was dying. And I'm like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> like, I don't feel good. I don't, I can't even get on a plane. I don't feel like songwriting, like everything hurts. 
I'm like, what do you want me to do? And he's just like this. <laughs> he's like this. Like you just, just be my kid and let me see you. Like he sees us anyway, but there's something about letting ourselves be found and letting him see us. He's like, this is all I want. We good? You know? <laughs> and then I remember I just started singing out on the porch. And like, as I like sang out loud, all the coyotes, we live in the woods, like just, like just all the coyotes just like, ah. I looked down at the dachshunds and they were just like, their ears went back. <laughs> the coyotes started singing with me. And then just a couple of nights later, um, well, I'll say this part. This is important. And it's important for these days. Longevity is everything in these days, right? And I really do feel like longevity is just finding what surrender is in every season. Finding what just completely surrendering to God looks like. And that might look like being in unseen places for a while. Nate, could you come up? Yeah. Um, but I think we have a choice, you know, we're, we're to look at even just whatever, everything we've been through just as a, a world. We can look at it as infliction or we can look at it as this invitation. And I believe it's happening right now. Just the church is waking up and renewal is beginning to happen. And I think we're going to see, we are seeing a great falling away, but I also think we are going to see a massive run to the Father. I really do believe it, like prodigals coming home. And and I remember the Lord just um, bringing me to this place where it was just like, okay, if I am going to die, I'm so glad we had this talk. (laughs) because I'll I'll see you soon. And I was like, if I'm going to be face to face with you, I'm glad I got all this out. (laughs) But then I just was like, if you don't lift this, I love you. And there's something in that for us. If he doesn't change the circumstances, it's like, you're the treasure. I love you anyway. And there's something about you even just like coming home, even if that's, that's like daily, just coming home to the Father. And living from that place where that's your wellspring. Um, the songs will come. He will, he will, he will do it. Living from that just soul rest of like, I'm your kid. You've got this. And we've been in and out of seasons of just, um, you might not even know, remember, maybe you never even heard of us. I don't know, but it's like, or you've just kind of been like, where have they been? But what I do know is like, we love what we're getting to do and we feel like the music that we do put out is like we're getting to do deep ministry even if it's in small places. There's power in the small. And this guy right here, um, I'm just so grateful for you. <laughs> the way he leads, the way he's fathered. Uh, you should see uh, our 22-year-old hug him. Um, 
when he sees him. And he lives in East Nashville. <laughs> but the hug, it's like you think he you know, lives in Colorado or something. It's like, <laughs> but just when, when they embrace, um, it just shows like Nathan's heart of like, he's, he's shut down his studio every day for 20 years at six o'clock. And that's just what he has just chosen. Like, that's what's right for our family. And I've just watched him trust over and over that God is just going to give back when he gives to our family like the Lord just gives back. And I've just watched that kind of like unseen, um, just faithfulness in the just quiet places of just like um, now this just precious relationship we have with our kids and just sweetest thing. Um, so grateful all the time. Like, God, thank you that I didn't miss it. Thank you that you got a hold of me when my kids were little so that I could just start trusting you and like taking a hold of this ministry that I have just that's just just such a small portion, really. And then watching him just <laughs> take it out wherever it needs to go. Um, so yeah, two nights later after that porch, uh, conversation with the Lord we were just at a hotel um, and this has actually never happened to me um, ever in all my years of writing I was asleep and I heard the downbeat of a song and it woke me up so you just think about like that porch moment <laughs> the Lord's just like don't you know I will do this like downbeat of a song. <laughs> and it was just the word home. And I literally got my phone and I wrote out the entire song. It was like four o'clock in the morning. And it just like came all the way through. I just want to sing it over you. It's just, it's kind of a sing-over song. It's like a pour-over, you know, at Starbucks. Oh, there it went. Sometimes we just like get to sing over people and um, this is only, we've only sung this um, around the fireplace with friends at this point. You're actually the, I've never sung this through a microphone. Um, just want to sing it over you. It's just called home and I pray that um, it just ministers to you from a place of like you wanting to just run to the Father today and and um and what's beautiful is just that that will inspire so much. So much will pour out of you from that place. I'm expectant for it over your lives. And uh, so just in with this. This is called home. Home where I belong, my home where I can't go wrong, my home where everything comes. Back together again Where my heart Leans back into your arms And the walls I build just fall And everything comes Back together again Cause I'm home Long before 
You threaded my beginnings And even before I lived one day You saw the very ending And oh, what a comfort Just to know that I was made by you and for you Oh, further up and far- 
thank you that in your word in John 14, 23, you said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and we will make our home with him. Thank you, Lord, that you are that place, Father. Thank you for just drawing your people back to your heart in these days. Um, may we be a people of your heart, learning to live from you, Lord, not for you. Learning to live with you, God. You're everything. You're the treasure. And we know that so much will flow from that place, just embracing you as our treasure. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank y'all. We love you. (laughs) I hope that was as meaningful for you as it was for us. If you're a songwriter and you're resonating with any of what you heard today, we'd love to get to know you more and introduce you to some folks in our community. All of our podcast interviews and guest lectures come from either our Writing Club monthly breakouts or our annual Writing Worship Conference. Check out the show notes to learn how to get more involved with Writing Club, our mentorship taught by our founder, Chrissy Nordoff, or stuff we talked about in today's episode. Find us on Facebook at the Writing Worship Community, on Instagram at writingworship.co, and our website, writingworship.co. We love meeting new folks and supporting songwriters, so be sure to stop in, say hello, and get to know us a little bit. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. The times I've grown most as a songwriter are the times I've had mentors showing me the way. If you're looking to grow as a songwriter, we're now accepting applications for our Worship Songwriter Mentorship. Now, it's available only a few times each year. The Worship Songwriter Mentorship is a songwriting intensive that will help you craft impactful worship songs. It's a course created by Dove Award-winning and Grammy-nominated, drumroll here please, (laughs) our founder, pro songwriter Chrissy Nordoff. It's a small group community, and it's led by other songwriters over the course of nine weeks. It's an intensive course and a small group co-writing environment, and that means you'll be added to a special group of about 12 writers, give or take. Each group is led by experienced songwriters, some of them my dear, dear friends, and I've even gotten to lead a group or two. Rachel here, by the way. We love the church, and we love to champion fellow worship songwriters just like yourself. In this mentorship, you'll learn how to write songs for you and your congregation. You'll go deeper in your intimacy with Jesus, You'll get the tools needed to help craft songs more easily and never run out of creative ideas. Okay, I know it sounds too good to be true, but trust me, this course is a game changer. You'll learn how to leverage your unique songwriting personality and connect with other like-minded writers in a meaningful way. Truly, I can't think of another course, group of people, community that has impacted my songwriting the way that this mentorship has. If you're wanting to take the next steps in your songwriting journey, then apply now at the link in our show notes. We hope to see you there.